Hello and welcome to episode 289 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and I have not said this in months, but this is RPG Villains. <laughs> welcome back. This is our fifth time doing episodes all about a specific villain in, within an RPG. This is a pastiche, a adaptation of the Villains podcast run by Shay Serrano of the Ringer Podcast Network. Um, but while he does his villain episodes about movie villains, we do our episodes on RPG villains. And today's RPG villain is one that we talked about a little bit last week and the week before, but this time we're going to go into it with a uh, episode format-specific angle. Sorrow the Manslayer, Slayer, Manslayer, whoops, Sorrow the Manslayer from Dragon Quest IV. And uh, to talk about Sorrow today, I'm joined with two of my cohorts from the previous few episodes about Dragon Quest IV, starting with Alana Hags. Hello. And Zach Wilkerson. Hi there. So, Alana and Zach, uh, all three of us recently played through the entirety of Dragon Quest IV. It was Alana's first time, Zach and my uh, not first time. <laughs> so, I'm sure we all have thoughts on Sorrow. But, I guess, let's see. Um, we, we, don't need to, we don't need to introduce how we know Sorrow or how we know Dragon Quest IV, because we just did the past couple of episodes about that. But, uh, give me one feeling or idea you have about Dragon Quest IV, just so I don't completely waste the intro. Um... I'll, I'll go first. Dragon Quest IV just feels so ahead of its time. It has an unusual structure with the multiple chapters and character introductions that feels fresh and interesting in 2021 and must have been downright incredible in 1990. And I, I was just so impressed with the, the bones of the game and the framework of the game and how well it held up. Uh, does anyone else have a random Dragon Quest IV thought before we go on to Sorrow? It, it, it's a game that, um, you know, when I go back and play like Dragon Quest One or Two, or honestly even Three, um, which Three has certainly some things that distinguish it from Four and make it remarkable in terms of jobs and stuff like that, but it feels like um, almost like the baseline for like the next generation of RPGs, and it, it feels it still feels fresh. Like I, I don't feel like I'm playing an NES RPG, and I, obviously the last couple times I've played it, I haven't played it on NES. Um, it, it feels like I'm playing a remade Super Nintendo RPG, and I, and I think that um, makes it um, really digestible in a way that maybe some others aren't. Um, it, it gives you more breadcrumbs than other earlier Dragon Quest games do um, in terms of where you're going and what you're doing. Um, and so to me, it, it, it certainly feels the most playable um, and the most enjoyable of any of the NES ones. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I can say anything different, really, other than agree with both of you. Like, um, it feels like I haven't played 1, 2, and 3, so I can't really go back and compare. But, like, even watching footage of the NES version, like, it still had a lot of character about it. I can't think of any other NES RPG that has that much character um, to it compared to Dragon Quest IV. And, yeah, like, we all played a remade version of it, like DS or mobile, but, like it felt so much closer to five than I thought it would. Um, I don't know why I expected it to be slightly more. I don't know. Like, but yeah, I was genuinely quite surprised. And I think sorrow is one of the biggest reasons that dragon quest four stands out, especially because other than your dark facts and your, I don't know, garlands and cloud of darkness and whatever, like what other villain from and Ganon, what other villains? Like, cause even Ganon's kind of just like a, figure in Zelda like mm -hmm. what other villain can you like stick a name to and have like a backstory to he probably had a little bit in the NES version obviously the remakes like add to it but here we've got like sort of a fully fleshed out character and I don't really think I can think of any examples from the same period of time or at least before that 
um, that are like Saru. So, yeah, he's like one of the big reasons I think Dragon Quest IV stands out. Totally agree with both of you. Uh, Dragon Quest IV feels ahead of its time, feels like a, like a, a cut above um, other NES RPGs in sophistication, and Sorrow is, is part of it. But let, let's go into exactly who Sorrow is and what he does in the course of Dragon Quest IV. Um, there is a vague demon army threatening the world at the beginning of Dragon Quest IV. We meet uh, four characters or groups of characters in the first four chapters that are each dealing with or encountering the edges of the demon army in their own way, and uh, Sorrow is mentioned as the demon army's commander or and and a great uh, fighting champion at, at the arena uh, or at the fighting tournament part of chapter two and so we we are we know the name hinted at early on and then at the beginning of chapter five sorrow leads an army of demons to destroy the hero's hometown and murder their adopted family and uh seeks a power called the secret of evolution to um, to, to you know, to gain enough power to wipe out, the, out wipe out the world, as the hero is is searching for the sacred equipment that will allow them to defeat the demon army, he meets uh, Sorrow's loved one, an elf named Rose, and and learns that uh, part of the reason Sorrow hates humans and is uh and is leading the demons is because uh, um, Rose has been threatened by humankind for her uh, for her tears, which uh, she cries out rubies, which. You know the greed. The greed of humanity attracts her to that. And then when Rose uh, dies, following a misunderstanding, um, Sorrow just gives in to grief and despair. Uses the secret of evolution to turn into a giant monster, and the hero uh, has a final clash with Sorrow in the de- in uh, the sort of the demon homeworld. But in the mobile and DS versions of the game, there is an alternate ending through a secret chapter six that allows you to change the nature of the story a little bit. But we'll talk about that later. So. Our first category is the intimidation category. Is Sorrow scary? Is Sorrow an effective villain? Uh, yes, no, maybe. What do we think? I, I mean, I think so. Um, I mean, I think that he's introduced to us really first in that, in that chapter two uh, arena stuff with Alina. Um, he may have been men- he's mentioned sort of, is he mentioned offhand in Ragnar's chapter? I can't remember. I don't, not by name, I don't think, yeah. but certainly you can link the incident back to him, I think, by the time you hear his name in chapter two or three. Yeah. He, he, I think that's right. I'm not sure if he's named explicitly, but the, the, the demon army definitely is. And, yeah. and, and we see some of what they do. And, and I think that the, the introduction of him as being like this powerful person who, you know, you, someone you can't take down and he doesn't show up is like a really effective moment. It's sort of like um, enhancing the power that we think he has. Um, and then he's just like, sort of like this ever present, like sort of figure. Um, and then, you know, at the beginning of chapter five, him literally burning, like, like you being attacked in, in, in the mm. NES version. That's the first time you ever, you ever see your hero. Um, and your hero is attacked by him and his entire village is wiped out. And I think that um, all of those incidences uh, make him into a figure that is intimidating. Um, and um, someone who I think is effective on that front personally yeah i i pretty much said everything i would say really i think that the game does a really fantastic job of building him up and for a while at the beginning of chapter five like after he destroys the village he kind of disappears for a bit and the focus goes back to balzac but when you again link balzac back to sorrow it's then this realization that he's got this like domino effect in like everything that's happened whether it's tied to wherever wherever you knew it was tied to sorrow or not that's when you realize oh it all goes back to this one person so 
He's intimidating in a different way to, I think, any of the other villains that we've had, we've examined on the show, because the others have been so much more physically present in the game, whether it be by, I don't know, being there and pretending to be an ally or literally showing up and, you know, poisoning rivers and other things. Like, whereas Sorrow, he turns up in Chapter 5. Before then, it's just by name. And then after that, you don't see him again for a long time. So you've just got this expectation of, like, this terrifying human who has become a demon manipulating all of the monsters in the world. And that in itself is pretty scary, I think. Yeah. Um, Sorrow does something that I think uh, Sephiroth did in the original Final Fantasy VII and does not do in the remake of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I've used this comparison multiple times, uh, so I apologize. But they do the Jaws thing. They're scarier and more powerful by not seeing them. And uh, yeah. because Sorrow mm -hmm. is mentioned by name and you learn his reputation uh, without seeing him physically, uh, for a while builds his aura, his, his, uh, builds his um, legend a little bit. And uh, at the beginning of Chapter 5, when Sorrow wipes out the hero's hometown, it's, uh, the hero is locked in a secret room and they hear the killing and the mayhem behind a closed door. So you don't even see Sorrow then. You just sort of, you hear him have a conversation. Like, like, Sorrow, by not being visibly present, but by seeing what he accomplishes and what the demon army is up to, you, it communicates very clearly that Sorrow is powerful and dangerous and means business. There's no question about, uh, <laughs> or, or, or very little empathy to be had with Sorrow in those first couple of chapters. That, uh, the whole story with Rose and, and, uh, and what goes into chapter six is all in, in uh, later in chapter five. So I, I think we're in agreement. This is uh, sorrow is somewhat scary and definitely effective as a, as a villain. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's cool too, that like you get wiped at the end of chapter four by one of his underlings, which indicates like how much more powerful he is. Um, and I, I think that those, those things are, um, and, and Marquis de Leon um, is like, I think probably the second hardest boss fight in the main game. Um, after probably Sorrow, um, and again, like knowing that that is like you, you're going to see Sorrow as a souped-up version of that, I think also helps enhance um, his intimidation. And he's not a pushover as a boss either, which I think is cool. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think it's time to move on to category two. This category is called the worst behavior. What is the most awful thing that Sorrow accomplishes over the course of Dragon Quest Four? I, I have a couple candidates here, but uh, we can. Uh, add add to the list if we decide to. Uh, first of all, generally feel like the the very very broad strokes attempting to take over the world. <laughs> uh, second, um, seeking out and murdering children uh, in in chapter one. Uh, third, uh, wiping out the hero's hometown in at the beginning of chapter five, and uh, f uh, fourth. Uh, everything that happens to in Zamoksva, um, uh, the disappearance of uh, of Elena's family and friends. So, I, that's what I have so far. Is there anything else we definitely need to add to the list? I don't know. Like, I think that's one of the really interesting things is, like, he doesn't do a lot, or at least not on camera. Like, yeah, like, out of the ones you listed, because originally I was thinking, oh, it'll be, the you know, destroying the um, village. But no, murdering children's pretty horrible. <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, yeah, like, he doesn't do tons, which I think, like, the few things he does do, at least the rest of the things are either caused by the underlings and the other ones, the other, like, monsters you fight. 
but largely he he's more reactionary isn't he like he'll go out and do things but like he's not he's trying to take over the world but he's not doing everything mindlessly kind of thing he's not like just trying to kill people for the sake of it he's doing it in certain instances where oh i could do this and then it'll be one more one more thing under my palm i'm not really sure but yeah i think i think killing children is probably <laughs> the chapter one thing is a pretty horrible way to start off the game let's say yeah, yeah. Uh, outside of that intro cutscene, uh, like the the first table setting that we get in the game is everyone in Berlin. Th- there are children being abduct- abducted and killed all over the world, which is a bit of a holy what? what the children mm. are being what now? Kind of in the at the right in let's say the tenth minute of the game. That's uh, which which when I was sort of going over the plot of the game to figure out what to put on this list, I, I had sort of forgotten about that. Like, oh right, the demons were abducting and killing children. Whoops, <laughs> and uh, and it's a little bit hard to to know uh, whether Sorrow was accomplishing these, or I should say, perpetrating these directly, or if it was demons doing this at the behest of someone else right. in the demon army, like like uh, like Amon mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. But I think Sorrow is pretty complicit. I mean, he goes to the he definitely is present when the hero's uh, hometown is wiped is mm-hmm. uh, being wiped out, and that's in the ongoing campaign to kill all the children <laughs> so right. I, I i think that I, I think that those all the the four that i mentioned were fair and um i'm I, i'm sort of going in between killing the hero's hometown and uh killing all the and killing children in a targeted campaign but uh all of those things are pretty terrible because they they involve genocide that that's kind of <laughs> what that's kind of what this demon army is all about yeah, it's interesting because I mean I feel like because sorrow is physically present uh, at the town being burned down, and also because like you know some of the characters, like you know like sort of like your childhood friend, sweetheart, whatever, it, it, is killed in that. Um, I, I feel like that gives it more impact, certainly mm-hmm. in terms of like the horror of it. But it, it's also interesting because I feel like the sorrow being sort of removed from a lot of those things and largely being reactionary. Um, is the thing that maybe allows us to still have some empathy with him. Um, and it's interesting when you, you bring up some of those things, I'm like, hmm, why is it that like, I feel kind of bad for him toward the end? I shouldn't, or this isn't like a, and we'll talk about Magus in a moment here. I know, but like, he, he's not, <laughs> he's not a character who like his motivations are like, I understand what they are, but they're also still horrific regardless. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like his removal from a lot of the situations allows us to maybe have a little bit more empathy with him, which for me is what makes the town burning the worst incident, personally. Good, yeah, because we know for sure he was there at the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that leads into our next category. Uh, this one is called Maybe They Had a Point. Is there any justification for Sorrow's actions? Is there a version of the story where Sorrow is the hero and our... Uh, and our heroes party, our NPCs or the villains. Um, I'll, I'll talk about this first. Uh, we the other four episodes of RPG villains that we've done, and we've I guess hinted at this already, um, which are uh, Porky from Earthbound, the Killer from Persona Four, Kefka from Final Fantasy VI, and Luca Blight from Suikoden Two. They are more openly uh, evil and antagonistic than uh, than Sorrow. Like, like uh, this question is easier to answer for Sorrow than it was for those four, because, I mean, those other four were, I, I would call them closer to being psychopaths than, than Sorrow, who is, 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 I mean, I don't want to say psy- Sorrow's not a psychopath exactly, because, I mean, he is trying to wipe out humanity and take over the world, but the maybe they had a point question is easier to answer for him uh sorrow 
in another world, Sorrow isn't evil. He is very powerful. He's a, a, a great fighter, a great magic user, a dangerous person or, or demon, as it were. But uh, Sorrow was doing all of this out of love and, and eventually out of grief because, um, his, because his beloved, the elf named Rose, is uh, like she's being persecuted by humans and he feels like he needs to stop humanity to protect her and make the world safe for her. And uh, the demon, you know, demon kind in general is supporting Sorrow in this mission in a way because they definitely want to wipe out humanity, and uh, and and are happy to be along for the ride if uh, if like the strongest demon is on board with this, even if it's not for exactly the same reason as every demon. Like I, I hope that wasn't too convoluted to understand, <laughs> but uh, because Sorrow has this um, has has Rose, and we see what Rose has been through. And um, what eventually happens to her, Sorrow is a little bit more empathetic than a lot of other megalomaniacal villains. Uh, and um, when you first meet Rose, she's like, I mean, she she acts like a like a terrified puppy or something almost. She's like, she is she she thinks that humans have invaded her tower to to to, to take her ruby tears or worse to worse to her. But she calms down when she sees how gentle the hero or heroine's eyes are, because of course you're you're a Dragon Quest hero. You're you're a paragon of 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 goodness. But uh, when you hit that point in chapter five and see those scenes, you uh, feel more empathy for Sorrow than most video game villains by a large margin. Uh, so maybe they had a point. What do we think? <laughs> yes, and I think. The reason I came around to it in the end, because I'll be honest, like, I guess this is just because I'm playing it a long, long, long time after it came out and I've played tons of other things. How many times does the girl have to die and the man have to go around and be angry about it? Like, seriously? Um, <laughs> but then there's the alternative, ugh, the alternative side of it. So yes, he does have a point because let's be honest, like we do anything for the person we love, the people we love, and we would, you know, if somebody, somebody hurt my brother or my family or something like that then of course i would react in a react like reactionary way and want to do everything i could to not necessarily take revenge but at least take a piece of that back for me and you know i, I don't know whether this is like the first instance of racism in a japanese rpg i'm sure probably not um i don't remember any from final fantasy one or three or any of the fantasy star i have played but um like it's certainly an understandable motive and I feel really bad for Sorrow because it's it's just him doing what he thinks is right. And in his own head, he absolutely... And, I mean, he is kind of the hero. Like, he's the hero in his story because he's going to make a world perfect for Rose, right? Um, but I think without that extra chapter in the DS version, I don't know, I'd feel sorry for him, but at least I know that, you know, there's another way around it. Like, the hero realises and it's like... <gasps> we can do something about this. Like, we don't have to kill him. We can save Rose and do something else. So I think that helps the cause a little bit. Um, yeah, so it is understandable. I just have maybe my own issues with it without that extra bit, because, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, uh, I mean... It's one of the oldest tropes in fiction, isn't it? Huh. Like, Indeed. Yeah, I mean, uh, that women in refrigerators concept came around later in the 90s uh, because mm -hmm. cause that's when the Green Lantern comic that uh, that inspired the term came around. But Rose is an example of one of those. A, a, a female character who dies unnecessarily to motivate a male character. It's a little bit more complicated than that, I know. But speaking generalizations, it, it's, it's, it's not a good look. And, yeah. uh, and I, I, I think that 
you know, being able to undo that is uh, is really satisfying in the later versions of Dragon Quest IV and it, with the Chapter Six scenarios, uh, because it, it feels like justice has been served somewhat more. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, I think again, like I do really sympathize with sorrow because again, we would we would all do something, wouldn't we? We wouldn't just like, oh yeah, they're dead or something like that. You would just ignore it. But um I think part of like my other part of my problem is it's it really does it happen really subtly? Like it's just like one line of dialogue, isn't it, that she dies. You don't really find out until later on, right? Um mm-hmm. So it, it's like, oh, you don't really get a smidge of that like empathy until later on or and even if, if you don't because that is that cutscene where you um is the cutscene of the flashback like optional or is that part of going into the tower i think it's part of going into the tower isn't it in rose hill i think so yeah so okay that's fine then so at least you do get the context there but yeah like yeah i think you pretty much summarized what i said pretty well so lucy like again like i do sympathize with him a lot like I would react in the same way and just maybe wish there was a bit more time spent on it or maybe wish that, well, that the end, the chapter six is what helps, I think, for me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I am, um, and I, I'm not going to spoil another video game that we're going to talk about soon enough here, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I was playing McNear alongside <laughs> it um, and I'm still playing near now. And, you know, um, thinking about like the approach to like how we react to, um, people yeah. who harm people we love. Um, and Nier is significantly more critical of this issue than um, Dragon Quest is, but that's not surprising. Um, but I, I think that I, I might sympathize with, with him a little bit less. Um, like, I understand why he's upset, of course. Um, and the idea that he would, you know, do so, like, anything for Rose. And I get that, and I, and I sympathize with that. But the idea that you have to wipe out all of humanity because like some people Mm -hmm. were mean um, is like, I don't know. That's like a bridge, maybe a a couple steps too far. And like how much pain he perpetrates as a result of that. Like, I mean, like the answer to the question is yes, he has a point, but like his reaction to it is so extreme um, that he loses the point in the process. I understand where he's coming from, but I don't think that in any way it is justified. Okay, maybe this is too much of a modern reading on this, but I think that part of the problem is also Sorrow's support system. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. like, cause he's basically, I mean, he's a, a, des, a denizen of the demon world. Like, I imagine people have been whispering in his ears to wipe out humanity like since before he even met Rose because he's so he's so strong and such and, and and an ideal leader of a demon army but with this happening sorrow feeling uh more uh anger towards mankind than ever and then he has you know jerks like Amon whispering in his ear like but we, the world would be safe for Rose if you just killed all the humans and that just amplified mm-hmm. all of it like there's probably some kind of you know uh like a dark corner of the internet subculture kind of echo chamber he's li- he's living in that's making all of this worse so uh, what, what i'm saying what i'm saying is uh sorrow joined the wrong reddit communities at the wrong time and then try- and then decided to wipe out all of humanity i hate that you use that so much <laughs> it was like 4chan all right so we agree um uh, even though he doesn't have facial hair or a fedora, Sorrow is a Reddit user. Interesting. Okay. 
<laughs> so let's um, talk about someone indirectly that semi-resembles Sorrow, which we've mentioned a couple times earlier this month. Um, this is the Jason Statham slash Magus question. Could Sorrow have joined the Heroes Party if circumstances were a little different? And this hmm. is the easiest question in this entire uh, <laughs> semi-sub-series of episodes that we've done, because the answer is yes, because he actually does. In, uh, <laughs> in Chapter 6... Um, you f- discover a way to revive Rose. Uh, she was killed by uh, Ammon and some demons, but it, but blamed it on the humans, which causes Sorrow to completely lose control and turn into a giant uh, mega demon using the secret of evolution. But you use, uh, through an optional side quest, you can revive Rose, have her talk Sorrow out of his um, crazy transformation, and Sorrow uh, re- reverts to a humanoid form and joins your party. So this actually happens in this uh, game, but to do so, you have to reverse some of the plot of the game and and cheat death. So like like by by exposing the deception that Amon does, uh, sort of off screen. Because we mentioned we don't really see Rose's death; we just hear that Rose died while you're sort of on the path to stopping sorrow. Is it when you kill Amon as well? Is it literally one of the things he says? Doesn't he say, like, she's died now or something? Or is it before that? I, I think, don't quite remember. I think you hear you hear that she's died before then. Okay. But, but Amon re- reveals that it was demons and not humans when you kill right. him. Okay. I, th- I think. But I, I would have to... Mm, I would, I would, I would have to re-examine it a little bit to figure out uh, to see if I'm a little bit out of order there. But it, it's, it, it does happen somewhat off-screen, and you hear about it rather than witness a death scene for Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we call this the Magus question because this is, uh, uh, this can happen in Chrono Trigger with Magus. Apologies for uh, spoiling a game that is 26 years old. But, <laughs> Uh, and, and, and again, definitely because of the shared Akira Toriyama DNA and because both of them are vaguely magical, vaguely demonic humanoids, Magus and Sorrow kind of look similar. <laughs> they do, yeah. Is Sorrow like the first villain to ever... Well, no, it wouldn't have been, would it? Because it was only in the DS version, so... Yeah. Oh, the first villain that joins the hero's side? I don't. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I. Well, no, because it wasn't in the original version, so right. it wasn't right. Because it would have been two thousand and seven. So no, because Magus was before that as well. So, yeah. But, well, no, no. I think it also happens in the PlayStation version, which, uh, which is probably still after nineteen ninety five. I think. I think that was. Yeah. 90, I think that's. I think yeah, that's yeah, nineteen ninety seven or eight. Yeah. yeah like, that's uh, fine. But I, I, that would be an interesting, uh, interesting question. Who was the first Jason Statham of video games? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. <sighs> I, I don't. I don't want to spend too much time thinking this over. But it. Uh, I don't. Does Golbez count? I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't join. Does he? It's like, like one fight, right? Yeah, it just, it's just one fight, and you don't even get to control him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Does Kane's sort of health count? He's not like Kane, evil. He's being controlled by Golbez, right? Kane so, deserves yeah. his own episode of RPG Villains, straight up. True. I mean, he's not a villain. He deserves talk, his own episode. That yes. sounds like something we should oh, save for go. the podcast. <laughs> here we go. Um, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to doing that, especially since we've talked about Final Fantasy IV a remarkably little amount of time for this pod for a podcast called Retro Encounter that is definitely obsessed with our with JRPGs. <laughs> I wouldn't be against it. Yeah, we've done zero on FF4 or 5 and one episode on FF6. I, th- I think we should increase those counts in 2021 or 2022. 
but but that that's uh, that's not up to that's uh, not up to me. It's up to RPG fan staff and sometimes the RPG fan community. But anyway, we have we have uh, completely lost the plot. Back to Magus. Back to Sorrow. Could he have joined the Heroes Party? The answer is yes because he does. Uh, do we have anything else to say about this? Like, I'm, other than how awesome he is when he joins you? So powerful. Oh my yeah. god. Everything. I mean, anti-Magus uh, on that front like Magus is like not very powerful in Chrono Trigger when he joins you um, but Sorrow is the best character I mean and, and the idea that like evolution is what sort of brought him to like the like you know who he was like a you know a, a boss but like pulling him back from that the idea that he's still incredibly powerful and incredibly useful I love that I, I know it happens more times than just Magus, but when like when you fight someone as a super boss and they have ten thousand HP and they join you and suddenly have one thousand HP and can't use all <laughs> the awesome attacks they had when you fought them as a boss is a little annoying. But for <laughs> sorrow, but for sorrow to do this and he doesn't have exactly all the same attacks that he had when he was a giant two-headed monster, but he, he kind of has all of the most powerful spells and equipment, and it's, that's yeah. kind of great. It's really cool, though, because like, you never fight Sorrow as his human form, do you? You only ever fight him as his demon form, whereas Magus, you do fight in his... You, you only ever fight him as normal form because he doesn't have anything else. So, like, you've already got this idea of what, like, Magus will be like when he's in your party, and then he still fails to meet those expectations, whereas the only time you've ever fought Sorrow is as the demon form, and you've only ever heard of what he's done, you've, or sin, in the terms of, like, your village being burnt down, so... You've got, like, an idea, but not on the same level as, like, Magus, because you haven't had that same one-on-one fight. But, like, um, yeah, so then you get him, and, like, he's kind of even in the middle of what you would expect a powerful human being to be, like, and what you would, what you have already fought. So it's a really cool kind of culmination of, like, oh, wow, he's actually really good. Like, yeah. It, it, it's that, and also you do have to build him up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I think do. He joins around level 35, maybe. And yeah. has a bunch of good spells, but then he learns a bunch more spells as you level him up, level him up to say forty oh, or forty-five. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, no, he has oomph because I, I think he has every powerful, uh, like offensive and support magic, with the exception of of four or five spells. Otherwise, your uh, five mage characters would be completely useless. And, he learns magic burst, I think, uh, at some point. Yeah, yeah he, I think he, he does. He learns magic burst. He also is the only character that learns Hatchet Man, um, which is a, right. a, a classic uh, attack that appears in a couple other Dragon Quest games, which I think upgrades to Executioner and in DQ8 and a few others. But <laughs> like the, uh, like he, he's like this awesome new toy that you get to play with in this optional post game and but he's it's not perfectly ready made you still level him up and get the satisfaction of getting him his best equipment and seeing him grow and all the cool stuff he learns it, it, it's it's just a very well designed fun post game that is not aimed at being uh, an extra challenge or, uh, or 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 something for like a masochistic grinder just so, something like like, 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 hey, here's this awesome character, Then we, we, people have loved this character for a bunch of years, now you get to use him and he's awesome. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I love just about everything about um, what Chapter 6 accomplishes in Dragon Quest IV, even if, it, even if it takes a dark, tragic ending and undoes it a little bit like Act 3 in Dra- Dragon Quest XI, but I'm also an, an Act 3 in Dragon Quest XI defender, so yeah, uh, you're coming to the wrong person. Yeah, I don't get people who don't like Act 3 of Dragon Quest Eleven. actually. Um, like, I'm not usually a person who's like that, but I actually don't. I would have been very disappointed in Dragon Quest Eleven had it ended at Act 2. It was too open. Like, they 
yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've heard people on, um, in general social media and places like uh, the RPG Fan Discord and even the RPG Fan Slack, which is only RPG Fan staff members, that, that uh, feel that the game should have ended at Chapter 2. And I totally disagree. Like, um, mm. like, like the whole point of, like, part of the fun of... Uh, of Dragon Quest XI is seeing the world break and then putting it back together again. And Dragon Quest IV's Chapter Six is a little bit like that in a way that I, I really like. I yeah. really enjoyed. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you think like that third act is like a bit of a homage to Chapter Six in Dragon Quest IV? Yeah, like, it could be. Um, just in the way that it's structured, just like the whole I'm going to go back and make sure things don't happen the way they happen again. And I know you don't quite do that in Dragon Quest IV, but you do at least go, hang on a minute. I can save the I can stop the villain in a different way that I don't have to kill them and I can undo the evil that humans have done because you know well not humans have done but like I can undo the evil that Amon has done and I guess by proxy humans because they bullied Rose into a tower like we can save her life and let her live her life out with um sorrow so yeah and it, maybe it, in a way it, it might be an homage to uh to that but i think it's also an homage to dragon quest 7 a little bit because that mm. game that game is about going back in time and right. preventing calamities to rebuild the world um yeah, true. But, yeah but in an even more sort of iterative uh way that than dragon quest 4 because that, that's the structure of most of dragon quest 7 but uh, we're, we're talking about dragon quest 7 and 11 a lot on a, on a podcast about <laughs> dragon quest 4 um so let's go and move on to the next category. This one is called bonus footage. Uh, and this is similar to something like DVD extras or a director's cut of a film, uh, adding footage that wasn't there in the original version. Is there a moment in Sorrow's story that we know happened from context uh, or from discussions but don't actually see that we would like to have seen? And um, I, I, I think – hmm. I, I want to see more stuff about uh, what happened to um, Mina and Maya's father. Mm. Because Mina and Maya's father um, is an alchemist who rediscovers the secret of evolution, which was a some kind of ritual or technology from uh, ages past that is a major part of the plot of Dragon Quest IV. And uh, because he's a character that we never see, and he eventually and eventually factors into what happens to Sorrow and what he does... Um, that I, and and I, and I like Mina and Maya, and we don't get a lot out of them other than some sassy commentary from Maya. If you like, if if you let her be held hostage in Femiscira uh-huh. when you do that quest, <laughs> yeah. um, Maya's, Maya's pretty hilarious in the in her commentary there. So like like I like Mina and Maya. The secret of evolution is important to the plot of DQ four. I would have liked to see either Sorrow interacting with the secret of evolution. Or uh, Mina and Maya's father, uh, like, discovering it and, and deciding what to do with it. Because we, mm. we don't even know what he looks like, right? Nope. Nope, we don't. It would probably mm. be a generic old man sprite. <laughs> probably would, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, or maybe one, of those, one of those guys in the green suits with, a, with like, an M. Bison cap on. <laughs> even better. <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah. I mean, mine's going to be kind of boilerplate. Um, I mean, I feel like, and this goes back to something Alana talked about earlier... Um, I, I kind of, I hate to say this, but I kind of want to see like Rose's death scene. Um, and I feel like that might make me sympathize with Sarah more. Um, like just like seeing her, I, I, cause I feel like it's just like so tertiary and over here that like, I feel like it doesn't have the kind of impact on the plot or emotionally that it could have. Um, and I feel like that would actually, um, enhance Sarah's characterization quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That would be one thing. Um, gosh. 
I mean, we know so little about Sorrow outside of his relationship with Rose and the fact that he wants to kill everybody, right? Like, I don't want to give, like, a really generic, I want to know how things started out. But, like, genuinely, he's human, right? Human but becomes a demon, right? And he lives down in the demon world. So it's a little unclear. It's like, <laughs> I, I want to know how he ended up there. Like, what at what point you... Well, like, everywhere I've read, he's described him as demon but human in brackets or, like, some kind of other, like, tertiary answer. But, like, yeah, there's, like... I don't want an origin story necessarily, but, like, I'd certainly want to know how, other than using the... It's the armlet, isn't it? He gets the armlet and he's got the secret of evolution. Um... I want to know why he's in the demon world in the first place and how him and Amon come together. Like, where does he, where does he meet Amon? Where does he find out about Estark and Balzac and all of these other associates that he has? And yeah, just what, why, why does he team up with them? Do they just, like you were saying earlier, Slosi, like, does he, do they whisper in his ear things? We just don't have that. And it would be like, I don't think, suffer necessarily because you don't see any of it but i think it would add a really interesting wrinkle but it would also probably give away too much again like yeah like you'd probably know too much before the whole rose is dead oh no now sorrow's like angry and upset is gonna destroy the world so yeah i suppose i would want to know like how that like group of demons come together or how sorrow ends up in the demon world in the first place because i don't think it's clear what he is really or where he's eaten from. You, you know, my assumption the whole time was that he was a full demon, but that because de- demons come in all shapes and sizes, some of them are humanoid. Hmm. Because, because, you know, a lot of Toriyama demons, like, you know, like like Piccolo from Dragon Ball or, uh, yeah. or, or, or Slash and Flea from Chrono Trigger, like, are vaguely human-shaped, but have, like, you know, unusual skin colors and pointy ears. Magus, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, and, and, and well, Magus is a, uh, is, is not technically a, um, from Demon County. He's from a, a different place. Right. But, like, like because, um, demons come in all shapes and sizes, I sort of assumed that maybe Sorrow was demon royalty or something. Or from, or from a specifically powerful group of demons. Like, like, and, and going into exactly what he is and, and how, like he came to be this demon champion, I, I think that is a very good answer to this because we, we we don't really know anything about this except that he is the demons the champion of the demon army and he hates humanity and that's sort of where we begin with him. Pretty much, yeah. I know it's a pretty basic answer, but like I think it warrants a little bit of discussion here at least. All right, no, I I totally agree, Alana, and but I think it's time to move on to the next category. This category is called regrets. Uh, who besides Sorrow has the most regrets within the plot of Dragon Quest IV? And this one's a little harder for me um, because there is a lot of uh, regret and 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 bad and bad feelings that happen to Sorrow and around Sorrow. But while I I think in the previous episodes I was always able to let to find someone for this question, I'm having a little bit more difficulty now. Uh, but so I'm gonna repeat. The, the same answer that I said before. I think I think it might be Mina and Maya's father, um, b- because like him discovering the secret of evolution is one of the catalysts for this whole conflict. Mm-hmm. That and and one of the few that you can tie to someone besides like Amon, who does who definitely doesn't have regrets. By doing that, it it uh, his his own murder 
and everything that happens to his daughters and part of what happens to the demon army is through that. So I'm sure that, you know, on his uh, on his deathbed after being stabbed in the back or whatever, uh, the uh, Mina and Maya's father had a lot of regrets. And if he's, you know, if the afterlife exists in Dragon Quest IV to a degree, his he, you know, is looking upon what's happening with regret. But uh, I struggled a little bit to find a fair answer to this question. Yeah, um, I've probably got a related answer then, having had a thought about it right now. What about Ojam, the right. the, um, the student, uh-huh. like who knew all of this and wanted? I mean, maybe regrets is the wrong word because he does kind of get that moment where he saves Mina and Maya at the end of chapter four, like staying behind a um, Palada Leon. Right, mm-hmm. he yep. stays behind and he fights the demons to allow them to get away and. Um, he dies, or presumably dies as a no, result. He just, we don't uh, no, I, I, you, you can find him. I, I, in fact, Ooh, I did. He's uh, he's cool. he's at. Uh, do you remember there's a t- there's a village north of where you find the armlet of transmutation, and uh, yes. and and you had to deal with a bunch of people uh, pretending to be uh, Zarev- Zarevna Elena. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. If you go to the inn there, Ujam is recovering with, <gasps> uh, w- and he's being nursed to health by a dancing girl that was the. That that was the object of people's affections in a different part of the world. So it, it, it's it may, it appears that Ujam survived and may have found romance in the in the Good in for Ujam. yeah oh, in, nice. in chapter oh, five of the game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't remember the name of that town, and I think it's one of the handful of towns in the game where you can't zoom to. But if you okay. if you visit there and go to the inn, you can find Ujam uh, later on. But I but hmm. I, I mean I'm sure the circumstances around his master's murder. Um, uh, Ujam has regrets about that, but he was Absolutely. trying. He was trying to make good by saving Mina and Maya. Yeah, exactly. And like he is down in that cave, isn't he? Defending that chest or defending uh, what, is, what, what? What do you get out of there? Um, you get something with the twins, don't you? Um, is it but... the mysterious fi- silence. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. So like he's clearly got every intention to stop at least Balzac. Um, and he doesn't fully get to do that, but he at least allows the twins to get away. Um, but again, like you say, like he would have regrets over his master passing away and they could have had this wrapped up sooner, potentially, but they don't get that chance to do that. And so I'd imagine he's got regrets over that, but at the very least he does get a little bit. But yeah, that's the only other answer I could think of for this personally. Yeah, well, one thing about the Sphere of Silence, I didn't think about that until now. You find it in a late-game dungeon. So I think what must have happened was Ujam got the crap beat out of him, and and, and the demon army recovered the Sphere, the Sphere of Silence and put it in the locked it away in one of their strongholds. Oh, huh. I thought <laughs> about that. that. That must be what happened, because, I mean, you, you, you find the Sphere, of, the Sphere of Silence in a chest somewhere late in the game. I don't remember exactly where, but I, I remember getting it back. Hmm. I tried to I tried to use it against uh, one of the later bosses, either either Sorrow or Amon or uh, or someone else around there, and it didn't work. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> I did not try. <laughs> uh, you know, I think this is kind of a tough question. Um, I'm going to say Ruby, um, at least through Chapter Five. Um, I feel like she probably doesn't really have any in Chapter Six, I suppose, because um, she has the ending that she wants, but. Um, you know, obviously being close, close to Sorrow and she is the one who sort of sets you on the right path um, to stopping him. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine that she has some regrets about maybe not um, intervening sooner um, in what everything that Sorrow had done. Um, do, you, do you mean Ruby or Rose? Rose oh, okay. is who I mean. My okay. apologies. No, no, it's sorry. I was, I was, I was, I was trying to struggle to remember who Ruby was. I was like, damn it. Did I, completely, did I completely miss an important character? Yeah. 
I'm playing Final Fantasy XIV too much. What can I say? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, like the, the, just Rose, um, you know, intervening earlier, and I think that the, the volume of destruction. I, I'm sure that she feels some guilt about um, everything that's happened to Sorrow as a result of him trying to sort of defend her. Yeah, I did consider Rose as my answer as well, actually, and yeah, she does get you on the right path, and. I'm trying to think of what else she could be regretful for other than just like not being able to stop stop sorry because she, she does sort of try and I think even in the tower she kind of suggests like go and stop him I don't want him to kill everybody but like you must feel horrible if the world is like ugh, bullying you is the wrong word but persecuting you for what she is for what right. yeah and like yeah it must be awful um but this, this is only a, a... A vaguely related question, but um, uh, the, the hero's friend in their in the starting village in chapter five. Do we think that she's also an elf? Oh, she certainly appears to be because she, she has yeah. a sprite really similar to Rose's and has mysterious powers with her transforming spell. I I thought maybe she was also an elf, but uh, one that was living comfortably with humans. She's definitely my heroine's girlfriend. That's yeah. One thing oh yeah. She is. No. I, I I think I think she has romantic interest in the hero, no matter the, what the gender of the hero is. But uh, oh, yeah. ha- having them as j- just happy girlfriends at the end of the game. You know, we didn't mention this in the previous episode. It's such a beautiful scene where... It's uh, a nice hug, yeah. Yeah, you, 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 uh, like, it, it looks like she either had faked her death or had escaped death, and she like meets the hero in their village, and they hug, and then they turn back to the village entrance. You think they're going to rebuild, and all of the hero's friends have come to the village to help to help them rebuild. And it's like, mm. oh, that's, it's, a, that's a, it's it's a very Dragon Quest end. Yes, very it's, nice. it's very yeah. Dragon Quest, but also well, gives yeah. also gives me those warm, fuzzy Dragon Quest feelings. So Absolutely. I I I I knew what I was getting into. I'm not, which is why like, <laughs> <laughs> which is why that some of the darkest scenes in, let's say, Dragon Quest. Uh, like nine and eleven, really, really uh, were gut punches when you mm. w- w- when you see them happen because I'm used to this being such a ser- such a fairy tale saccharine kind of series a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But all right, we've talked a lot about Rose and Sorrow and others' regrets. Uh, the final question is: Is Sorrow the main villain? And I think that we have a very fair no answer to this, or maybe a couple of fair no answers to this. Because um, Sorrow is the final boss of the story and is the sort of villain in the background for most of the story. So you you would be absolutely justified in saying he's the main villain. But I think there's a a few potential other answers here. Um, The most obvious one is Amon. Amon is leadership within the demon army. He's the one that uh, betrayed Sorrow and killed Rose to motivate Sorrow to transform. And Amon is definitely interested in ruling the world and and destroying most of it. To have him as a sort of manipulative manipulator style villain completely fits, and he is the final boss of the uh, of the cha- of the chapter six uh, post game. Unless you ca- unless you have uh, strong feelings about Chao Mein and Fu Young. Um, then also, I think you could say Estark. Estark is a demon lord from centuries earlier. Who was defeated by uh, by some you know vague other group of heroes, and he was maybe the uh, the closest the world had ever come to being taken over by demons before. And the legend of Estark and seeking out Estark's powers, uh, and Estark also used the secret of evolution, uh, you know, centuries earlier, is one of the 
motivating factors and goals of the demon army. At first, they're trying to revive Estark, and then mm-hmm. they decide instead to have Sorrow use the secret of evolution to become to become powerful like Estark. So, like, even though he's not really an immediate villain, he definitely is is part of the bad guys of the game. And the last one is again me going back to my semi obsession with the father of Mina and Maya. Um, uh, Balzac is a human that be, that uh, uses the secret of evolution and betrays humankind to join the demons and serve sorrow. And without Balzac's actions, uh, a lot of this game wouldn't have happened. So I, I think Amon is a very fair answer to who's the real villain, but you could also twist the question a little <laughs> bit and land on Estark or Balzac. You could. Well, I mean, I think I have to say Amon. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that he's he's the one who's behind... Uh, everything to some degree. I mean, like, you know, Sorrow still made choices and made his own choices in a lot of cases um, and committed acts of uh, atrocities and acts of evil on his own. But um, the person who most serves to benefit and the final villain, if you're playing the DS version, is Amon. And I think that um, as a result, that would probably be my answer. Yeah, that's mine too, um, just for the same reasons. I think that more than any other villain like i mean estark is kind of very a brief snippet in your like adventure like you hear about him i think at one point i remember asking alina and alina was like oh in our immediate presence we have to go and fight estark Um, i'm not trying to do a russian accent um but like (laughs) i yeah like he's very he's like one snippet of the story and again like it's more sorrow trying to revive him to use him so it's almost like Sorrow is trying to do what, I don't know, the same that he's doing to Balzac or the same he's doing to, that Amon is doing to him. I'm not sure. Balzac is responsible for lots of different things that kind of set things in motion. But again, it's all for Sorrow, I think. But Amon is the one that, you know, I think there's plenty to say about like people who just, you know, genocide is a really terrible thing. But like, manipulating people's emotions to get them to do your stuff for you like Amon is killing Sorrow's girlfriend to make him like progress world domination basically like that's a pretty awful thing to do like you know somebody's weakness and you're gonna like use it against them and ensure that Sorrow is then blinded by his grief like that's kind of horrible like that's one of the worst things you can do i think is just like play with people's emotions in any way um but in particular if you're going to use it to try and take over the world then i think that's kind of terrible so yeah amon i think is definitely the main villain so amon kind of terrible we're in agreement um kind of terrible i think me even bringing up Stark at all is informed by him being like the hardest boss of all the grotto bosses in ff9 ff whoops in dragon quest 9 and uh <laughs> and being like the strongest unit in the japanese version of the terrible dragon quest gacha game that i'm playing um <laughs> like 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 he, he has a sort of legendary super boss quality about him that isn't really true in dragon quest 4 but you know being informed by other games in the series mostly in things like post-game content had me, uh, like, had me, you know, inflate his importance a little bit. Yeah, well, unless you cheese I... him in Dragon Quest Eight, he's the hardest boss at the yeah. end of... Yeah, oh, yeah, at, the, at the end of the, of, the, of, the, of the 3DS version, that's right, yeah. That. Yeah, I mean, he does steal an engine, that's pretty bad, like... Not even an engine, he steals a gas canister for a hot Thank air you. balloon. I couldn't remember <laughs> whether it was a gas canister or an engine, yeah. Yeah, that's bad. 
How dare you take away transport? Like, what? <laughs> so not only did he almost conquer the world a thousand years ago, he's also a shoplifter. He steals the only supply of gas in the world of Dragon Quest Four. Like, come on. <laughs> You're just taking away... He's becoming an, like a gas or an oil tycoon. Like, why are we doing... <sighs> oh, maybe the, uh, the, the mammon mine miasma that's corrupting everything is really just, you know, normal... Like 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 normal gas that should be used uh, that that should be used to uh, empower engines and stuff. It's a uh, it's it, it's 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 like a coal fire or something. And there's a world tree and there's a pure kingdom in the sky. This is definitely a video mm, game about yep. global warming. Yes, correct. Oh man, it's it's those environmentalist messages in Tales of Fantasia are all, are all coming back. They're preceded by Dragon Quest IV. Thank you very much. Even the Yggdrasil tree. There you go. Yeah, Yggdrasil, the Yggdrasil tree is also in Dragon Quest III, although it's it's maybe mm-hmm. not quite as huge in the story as it is in IV. There you go. Estoc, true villain, taking away gas canister. Uh, the, the true villain is uh, obviously human greed, and, uh, the, the friend, ah. and the true hero is the friends that we made along the way. And, uh, yep, I mean... JRPGs. I mean, you could make a case for humanity here because yeah. they are the people who are racially abusing Rosa. Rose. Like, you know, w- what would have happened if I people were I... accepting, right? I, I cannot believe I didn't think of that as a potential answer before recording. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's not really explored a ton. Like, it's in a couple of flashbacks and it's just otherwise, like, Sara hates humanity. But, like... You could make an argument. I mean, obviously, Sarah's hand is turned. Like, you don't... Like Zach was saying earlier, like, his reaction is so extreme. And, like, I think most people's reaction wouldn't be if your girlfriend was being, um, like, attacked because she is a different race or she has a different... Like, she has a magical ability. Like, they're scared of her crying ruby tears or because she's an elf. Like, your first reaction wouldn't be to go out and kill everybody, would it? Even if it happened over and over and over again. Like, you'd build anger up against it, but you wouldn't in most cases necessary you wouldn't in 99.999% of cases your first instinct would not be to kill all humans right like but yes we 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 agree that his reaction is exaggerated but be- i mean earlier we decided there we have some empathy for sorrow because of his motivations and he hates humanity because of his circumstances so I'm not saying this is the answer, but humanity being the ultimate villain of Dragon Quest IV is a is I think a potential answer because I mean human mm-hmm. like like humanity is not shown as purely good and demonkind is not shown as purely evil in Dragon Quest IV. Yeah, and Amon just probably takes advantage of that with sorrow and uses it because you know you think humans have killed Rose for a while and then you find out not. So yeah, yeah, so, it, it's part of the puzzle. Amon's playing both sides to a degree, which makes him, I think, probably the fairest answer to yes. uh, who is the main villain of Dragon Quest IV if the answer is not Sorrow himself. But uh, anyway, um, we've already talked a lot about Sorrow over the past three episodes, counting this one. Well, you know what? Past four episodes, because he does come up a little bit in the uh, in the Dragon Quest draft uh, <laughs> as well, uh, didn't oh. he, Zach? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, let's start with that. All right, you, all right. Maybe if we do a redraft, I can snag Jade as well. Um, <laughs> but the uh, but <laughs> so you definitely know all of our thoughts on sorrow. Uh, we've done four episodes on Dragon Quest this month. Um, one Dragon Quest fantasy draft, two on Dragon Quest Four in general, and one on sorrow from Dragon Quest Four specifically. I think 
I think Pizarro or, or Pizarro might be a more accurate pronunciation of his name, but in, in the NES version, he was just called Saro, S-A-R-O, and now, like, I interpreted his uh, DS spelling as sort of a, scient, a silent P, like psychology or, 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 or pseudo or something of that nature. I don't know if it's Saro, Pizarro, uh, Death Pizarro, <laughs> which, which I, I think is what his, uh, the final, his final form in Japanese is called. Uh, Sorrow is an interesting character that, just like the game he's in, feels ahead of his time as something within RPG lore. But mm-hmm. we've been living in the past a little bit, or the dist- more distant past a little bit, talking about a 1990 video game. Next week, we're going to be talking about a 2019 video game. Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers is the most recent uh, expansion to Final Fantasy XIV, but it won't be anymore later this year when we start when we finally get to play Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. So uh, we've done a couple episodes on Final Fantasy XIV in 2021, and this Shadows- Shadowbringers episode coming next week is going to be our our final in that miniseries. Following the Shadowbringers episode, we're going to do an extremely selfish episode on my part, talking about (laughs) Monster Hunter World and Monster Hunter Rise, the fifth generation Monster Hunter games that we're in right now. World and Rise have a lot of similarities and differences, but are now the the flagship games for what for Mon- for what Monster Hunter currently is, and Monster Hunter is more popular than it ever has been. So there's a lot to discuss, uh, and this is going to be the first Monster Hunter podcast I've done since 2018, and you bet I am fired up to talk about Monster Hunter a lot on a podcast. And if you listen to, retro- to Random Encounter, maybe you've already gotten a taste of my Monster Hunter enthusiasm. <laughs> but after FF14 to Monster Hunter, two of my multiplayer jams, we're going to a game I've never played before. That is Knights in the Nightmare, which was a PSP and DS game from... Uh, the 2008 to 2010 range, I believe the DS game version came first, uh, that is developed by Sting and part of their Department Heaven series, and it is weird and cool, and there, and I don't even know where how to begin talking about it. Um, but we're going to do two episodes on Nights in the Nightmare coming in June, uh, probably the second half of June, depending on when the, how the schedule falls together. Uh, so please look forward to those. You can, uh, but if you want to discuss uh, Monster Hunter, Final Fantasy XIV, Nights in the Nightmare, Dragon Quest Four, anything at all, the best way to reach the podcast is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on RPG Fan's message boards, our Facebook page, our Instagram page, our Twitter page, our Discord server, our YouTube channel, or our Twitch channel. Something streaming every day on Twitch and that YouTube is getting more populated every week. Uh, you can also listen to th- RPG Fan's other three podcasts, Random Encounter, every two weeks, mostly about randomness, Rhythm Encounter, currently on hiatus, mostly about RPG music, and Phoenix Edge, mo- usually weekly, also on hiatus. It's mostly about current events. You can listen to all four RPG fan podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio app, whatever podcast listening venue you choose. <laughs> Please leave feedback. We love feedback. Uh, you know, I should say Apple Podcasts instead of iTunes because iTunes died months ago now, haven't they? Long time ago, yeah. Wow, yeah. I am going to change that in my show notes that I copy and paste almost every week. <laughs> Thanks for not correcting us, listeners, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I mean, it just goes to show how few listeners we truly have. It's not lies. They're everywhere. People download off the website, listen on Spotify, which is what I do. So, yeah, just come listen to us however you want, basically. Yes, and I, I think I will start saying Apple Podcasts instead of iTunes from now on. Because I, I think, I mean, I haven't updated my uh, my PC's uh 
Apple software so long, I think it's still called iTunes. Maybe, maybe I should fix that. <laughs> but, uh, but listeners, if you want to reach out to each of us individually, uh, you shouldn't use that email. How should we do it? Starting with you, Alana. Uh, Twitter is the best place for me. I am at Alana Higgs on there, or you can find me on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana. And Zach, give the people what they want. <laughs> uh, you can email me, uh, ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. And listeners, if you want to find me, you've probably heard me say this before. The best way to do so is Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. You can also find me on the RPG Fan Discord as Monsoon Mike. So, Sorrow, he's a hell of a villain. He's a hell of an ally when he, in, when, <laughs> in, in the games where he's allowed to join you. And uh, I, I'm not sure there's a better... Uh, there's a better NES villain except for maybe Quick Man from Mega Man 2. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, thank you, good night, and good luck.